Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for all of the time and effort that you put in to growing yourself. I honor you today for emphasizing how important it is for you to continue to be growing in everything you do. You know, there's an old saying that says green is growing and ripe is rotting. And it really is true. You know, when the fruit on the vine, on the tree, when it gets to the point where it is ripe and ready to eat, um, you know, it's not very far from there till it's falling off the tree um, and uh, going back into compost, really. Um, you know, left in nature without a, a creature of some sort, because I'm not just going to say humans, because there are animals that eat the fruits off of the trees, too. Um, but without an animal to eat those, um, you know, a tree is set up in such a way to continue to fertilize and, uh, you know, give itself nutrition as it grows and as it matures throughout all of its life. I think one of the most amazing ones that I can think of is the palm tree with the coconut. So think about the concept of a palm tree for just a minute. Um, for those of you that don't live in California or you know Florida, places like that where we have palm trees all over the place, um, you know the palm tree is a thin, um, you know, relatively flexible tree that grows very tall. Has a few palm fronds at the top of it. Um, you know, each year the the fronds will die off and, um, you know, either the tree looks like a woolly mammoth or, um, you know, they need to be trimmed. And uh, that is the nature of a palm tree. Some of them have different types of coconuts, basically, that are on them. And we're, of course, all the most familiar with the basic coconut growing on a palm tree. We've seen it on you know, TV and all kinds of things. You know, you've maybe even seen people on shows like Survivor that have climbed up the tree and knocked down the coconuts and, and eaten them. Um, but let's think about it in its natural habitat for a second. So a palm tree, palm trees are native to the desert, to oases in the desert. They're a very hardy plant. Um, you know, when we think of palm trees, typically we think of like Southern California or again, maybe possibly Florida. But the reality is, is they come from the Middle East originally um, and have been transplanted to all those other places. Um, some of those seeds were carried um, to tropical islands. And um, I don't know enough about the, um, you know, cycle of how the palm tree traveled across the world to tell you exactly. But, um, you know, when we think of the Pacific Islands and the palm trees, 
again, we're thinking about that coconut. That's really kind of, you know, the the traditional palm tree bent possibly a little bit, um, leaning over and having coconuts on it or having fallen off of it. But in its natural environment, and this is really cool because in its natural environment, the palm, the coconut um, has a very hard outer shell. If you've ever seen anybody open a coconut, you know, you've got to take like a machete or something like that. And uh, it takes, you know, a considerable amount of work for it to, um, you know, to be opened. Inside of that coconut, out, you know, it has that outer protective layer. And then inside of it, it has the meat, you know, what we would consider to be coconut. You know, if you go to the store and you buy shredded coconut or, you know, any of the other places, um, you know, that's what it comes from. You know, coconut oil is made mostly from, uh, you know, the meat, if you will, of, of the coconut. Um, and then inside of that is um, water. Um, and uh, it's coconut water. You know, it's not like it's uh, tap water, um, you know, but... It's interesting to see it as a whole, because as a whole, it is a seed for a new baby coconut tree, new baby palm tree. That's, you know, its non-food purpose is to propagate palm trees that have coconuts by dropping to the ground, getting a little bit underneath of the earth, um, sprouting and growing into a complete palm tree and if you think about how amazing it is it has this hardy outer shell to keep it safe in a very harsh environment and then it has a meaty nutritional if you will main part of it that helps feed it and nourish it as it's a seed as it's going from seed to sprouting and it continues to give it nourishment until that little baby is is big enough. You know, if you could see underground while the little baby palm tree was growing, you would see that it grows up out of that coconut. Um, you know, and then also, and I think this part is in some ways the most amazing to me because it comes from such a low moisture environment. The coconut was created with water of its own inside of it so that it can have the water it needs to take root and to begin to grow. See, the reason why I went into detail with that with you today is because there is an amazing, purposeful design for everything on this planet. Most importantly, as you're listening, there's a purpose for you. And so if you thought about it in, in terms of the tree and then the coconut itself, you know, the coconut is safe. It grows in, you know, under the fronds of its mother, the, the original palm tree, sheltered from the harshness of the world until eventually a harsh wind comes or the time is right and it falls to the ground 
into a harsh, arid climate. And it has to fight for its life. And I'm sure that if, if coconuts, you know, had, you know, mentality, if they could talk, they had brains that could process, when they fell to the ground, they would feel completely abandoned. And like all of the things in the world are coming against it. How could they possibly survive? But what the little baby coconut, um, you know, the, I guess technically you would say fully matured coconut that has fallen and is now ready to go to seed, to sprout, to explode into its new purpose in the world. Just before that happens, it has to understand and give into, if you will, the whole concept of the fact that within it is everything it needs to go from its mother, from its parents, from its roots, to having a purpose and a life of its own. And I've taken some specific time today to really go into detail with that because I want you to look at the seed that you are. And each of us is on a different point in our journey, but I know sometimes at different stages in our life, we look around and we feel like we've been completely abandoned by everything we know and that we can't possibly survive in this harsh, arid environment we've been dropped into. But I'm here to encourage you today to let you know that within you is everything you need to not only survive, but to take root, to thrive, and to grow into a giant, beautiful palm tree of your own. That's amazing when you think about it. Then you can really begin to embrace all of the pieces of your life and begin to learn from them. There's a phrase that I heard many, many years ago, and I've used it before, that a leader is a reader. And what that really at its core means is that a leader is somebody who is constantly wanting to grow. Again, green is growing ripe as rotting. We want to be those growing kind of people. And one of the biggest ways that we do that is by simply taking a look at what has happened, what is happening, and potentially what may be going to happen in our lives and set ourselves on a course to grow from them, to learn from them. Every incident, good and bad, that happens in our life happens with the seed in of it of being able to teach us a lesson to have something to learn from. That doesn't mean that all incidences are good. When a coconut is safe up underneath of the palm fronds, the last thing it wants to do is drop down onto the 120 plus degree hot burning sand. Some coconuts don't live through that. But you, you've lived through that thing that you've gone through. And now you're in an amazing 
powerful place where you can take all the things, even those harsh, difficult times, and you can let them serve you. You can learn from them. You can begin to take root and grow right where you are. Not because, and I know what it's like, I've been there in, in times of my life where it's like, if only I could go back to, and then you know insert the incidents, because we all have several of them in our life. If only I could go back to that point and turn left where I turned right, make a different decision. You'll find two things from that are really true, and that's the number one, some of the best things in your life right now probably wouldn't exist if you would have made that turn instead of the one that you went through. And I know that when you turned the other way that you regret that you went through some things. But now that we're on the other side of it, now we can learn, we can grow, we can really truly take root in and through the harshest of environments, to be that powerful, strong, vibrant palm tree that's in with, within all of us. You have the ability in you to turn around and look at life's harshest circumstance. And yes, we have to go through the pain of it and all the stages of grief. But there's also an other side to that where you then are able to look at it, to realize that that event is what it is, but now you begin to create lessons for yourself that you've learned from what you've come through. I'm not saying it's easy. It's real easy for me to sit here while I'm recording this and say it, but I know that the things that you've been through, they've been tough. They've been harsh on you sometimes even. Sometimes there were times when you didn't think you were going to make it through. Even sometimes when it was just too much, you gave up. I get that. I've been there. I know what it's like. And it's so easy to be in that give up stage and lay there and just want it all to be over to just dream of how wonderful nothingness could be. But you're a survivor. In spite of how deep that wound was, how tough that come from may have been, you got up and you moved on. And so now we're at a place where with the things that we've come through so far, we have the ability to learn what we learned and have them become lessons in our life. We know better, so we do better, as Oprah would say. And that makes us powerful right here, right now, today, where we are. We haven't arrived. We don't want to get to that ripe stage. We want to continue growing. But as we look back across all of the good and bad things in our life, there are lessons that come out of it. When we are good 
powerful, thriving entrepreneurs, we take every incident, good and bad, and we ask ourselves, what did I learn from that? And we first work on ourselves, you know, the first level of management, manage yourself. And we take those lessons and we begin to, you know, do them in our lives. And then secondarily, we begin to take note of all of those lessons that we've learned and we start documenting them. We start sharing them. That's where that harshest of circumstance becomes so powerful. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows become even better, even more than you ever thought they could be because you have the ability to now share that, not just in a pity party sort of a way, woe is me, look at how horrible my life was, but in that powerful dynamic way where you say, yes, I went through this thing and here's what I learned. And it isn't just the bad things. Don't get me wrong. There's some great stuff that's happened in your life. You've shown up in the world. You've done some amazing, powerful things. And now let's share those with the world. Let's help other people know how they too can thrive in their life, in their business, if they take those lessons you've learned and they apply them to their own life. For some people, that's going to mean that they're not going to have to go through those harshest of winters, those hot and aridest of times in their life. They can start from standing on the shoulders of what you've already been through. For other incidences that are so great in our lives, other people can look at them and go, oh, wow, I never looked at the circumstance that you've been through, the job you have. You know, I always think of moms when I think of powerful jobs because moms are such unsung heroes. You know, it's just mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's just there. Um, for those of us that had good moms, you know, she's consistent and reliable. She's done things that annoy the heck out of us. But we love her. At the end of the day, she's our mom. And when we look at her often, she doesn't get the praise that she deserves. Because she instilled in us so many amazing things that we just do now with grace and ease. We don't stop and think, you know. I wouldn't know how to tie my shoes if mom hadn't taken time to teach me. Heck, I might not even be good at walking right now if mom hadn't encouraged me to stand up and walk across the room. So many seemingly little things that are so big and so powerful in our life. And we have our moms to thank for that. And in our own lives, there are things that we do that are just that powerful just that amazing. And nobody's even known that that powerful lesson could come through that thing. Now's the time. Now's the time to look at everything good and bad in your life and see what is the lesson? What is the thing that only I can share with the world that I can walk them through 
what I've learned and hopefully help them learn too. See, when we all do that, when we take what we've learned so far and we move ahead in life and share with those of us that are 5, 10, 20 steps behind us, we thrive and we help others live their lives as thriving entrepreneurs. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with us today as we take a look at our lives and we powerfully begin to not only learn the lessons that our life has always been there to teach us, but more importantly, we begin to share those lessons with the world. I remember, you know, at the end of The Wizard of Oz, those of you that are my age, you know what it's like. You know, we used to grow up once a year, Wizard of Oz was on, right? You know, and you either watched it live or you didn't get to see it because you couldn't record it. Um, and so, you know, like many of us, I've seen it, you know, many times over. And at the end of it, the scarecrow looks at Dorothy and says, what did you learn? Um, now, my favorite line really actually from Wizard of Oz doesn't come from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's actually from the movie Volunteers. Uh, with, and uh, that's a, an amazing movie. It's one of my favorites. Um, and at the end of, towards the end of that, um, they look at the main character that's played by Tom Hanks. Um, and he says to him, what did you learn, Dorothy? And it's all about going back through the thing we've been through, the things we've been through, and realizing that there was a lesson in there and really truly learning from that lesson. That's amazing and powerful when we can do that. So if you can really dedicate yourself to being a learner, you can have such a powerful, powerful message to share with the world. And then to go from there to be able to help others with that powerful message for them to learn and grow and to take those lessons that you've learned and be able to grow themselves in them. Doesn't that sound awesome? Well, to help us out with that today, we have an amazing best-selling author who is sharing with us from her book 
and the lessons that she's learned to this point in her life. It was really a lot of fun for me to do this interview, and I'm looking forward to presenting her to you right now here on Thriving Entrepreneur. There are so many people that we have in life that we can learn from, and sometimes we tend to prejudge based on what a person has done or does in their life when we don't realize that they could have some really deep insight into some things that we absolutely need help with, as well as, you know, there's some pretty awesome people. Today, I'm joined by an amazing international bestselling author who wrote what I have to tell you has got to be one of the boldest, best books that I've read. Um, the book is called Strip, A Stripper's 20 Life Winning Lessons. Um, it's written by Essence Revealed, and it is an amazing book. Essence, thanks for joining us here on the call today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So um, I know you've had all kinds of fun reviews from people on the book, but give us just a little idea about your background um, and mm -hmm. what led you to read the book. Sure. Um, I am, you know, uh, first generation born in this country. My family's from the Caribbean. I grew up in Boston and came to school in New York to study um, acting at NYU, to School of the Arts. Now, they definitely teach you how to become a great performer, but they don't teach you anything about the business. And so I found myself out in the world. You know, I'd had an agent since I was 15. So I'd been auditioning for TV and stuff, um, graduated from school. And then it was like, oh, wait, I don't know how to run the office of a performer. I don't know how to run the business. So, you know, you don't just go down to the employment office and fill out an application. <laughs> and I found myself at this crossroads saying, okay, I can either go do what I was doing, which was working at the banks as an executive assistant um, so that I know I have a check and I can pay my bills. New York is an expensive place. Or I can figure out a way that would still allow me to audition when auditions happen nine to five. And that is how I decided to become a bartender. And somehow I ended up being a dancer instead of the bartender of the club I walked into be a bartender at. <laughs> <laughs> So um, the book, it's very open about the things you've gone through, as well as really gives some deep insights into uh, some things that you've learned throughout the course of the time that you were doing that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, so let's start off with some reactions. What were both the positive and negative reactions you've gotten from the book when it came out? Mm, I would say the negative reactions or more confused reactions were like, oh, so you're going to be teaching dancing, right? Um, you're going to teach us how to strip, yeah? And I'm like, you yeah, know, people are very confused about the fact that I wrote a book about my experience stripping, but it's really more a book about um, your inner game. It's a book about sales. It's a book about um, building and maintaining relationships. You know, um, so yeah, it really is kind of how to navigate life, which I had to learn in order to navigate the club floor and if I wanted to make any money. Absolutely. There's some really powerful insights that you bring in to the book. Um, unfair question. Uh, today, what is your favorite of the 20 lessons that you bring out? 
Ooh, um, my favorite one. Can I do two? <laughs> my yes, favorite. I will let you do two. <laughs> all right. My favorite one. I made chapter one, which is um, "No Has No Power Over Me," because learning how to get over rejection has been one of the best things in life ever. Not being afraid to hear no. Um, in fact, looking forward to the no, because I know that I'm going to get X amount of no's before I get to really great, juicy, wonderful yeses. So that's one of my favorites. The other one would be Dare to Suck. Um, I really am a fan of that chapter because I think so, so many times we worry about outside validation, outside judgment, um, imposter syndrome, all of those kinds of things that we sometimes won't even try something. But if we were willing to just go out there and be bad, then life would be so much more fun and adventurous. So both of those are really powerful. I want to talk about each of them. Let's first talk about the power of a no. So you've heard no a few times in your life. What was that <laughs> process like? Um, learning how to not take it personal and then learn how to be empowered by that. Well, my first um, foray into dealing with no was as an actor, you know, I, I went on hundreds of auditions before I got booked in any kind of a professional role. So it went from, you know, the first time you go out and audition, you're like looking at your phone and hoping that you get a call and oh, you just want it so badly to, you know, fast forward years later, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go do this audition and get on with life. And so that's a process. Then, you know, I, I knew nothing about strip clubs when I started working in one. I assume you go in, you get adored, you make a million dollars every night, and you go home. Um, no. <laughs> you get very up close and personal with no, because not everyone's going to be attracted to you. Not everyone's going to want to talk to you. Not everyone's going to be interested in your, you know, education level or your uh, look or who, any number of things. And people don't particularly feel the need to be uh, polite to dancers. So you really have to get in your mind that you are going to not let these rejections get to you personally because it'll throw you off your inner game for the rest of the night. And stripping essentially is a sales job. It's interesting too, because you handle all of those kind of things in the book in a very funny way. I got to tell you, uh, you know, even <laughs> when I was doing some formatting things would catch me and I'd giggle. Um, I remember one of them, uh, you know, you said something about, um, you know, yes, I could teach you how to strip, but no, that's not what this book is about. That one kind of made me laugh. Um, you know, and then you also said something really powerful and that was the fact that, um, you know, when a person tells you, no, it isn't personal to you. It's just something about them. Yeah. Yeah. When you realize that the no, you know, we're all looking at and, and um, digesting life according to our own experiences, uh, family experiences, work experiences, personal romantic experiences, you know, everything that we look at is through the lens of what we've gone through. So the idea that someone is looking at us and it means something about our experience is a little skewed, you know, you know, so yeah, you just, it is not about you. Absolutely. It is so not about you most of the time. <laughs> Another really funny one, and I guess if people haven't heard this joke before, then they wouldn't get it. But another funny one was, as you said, no, I was not stripping my way through college. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
everyone is the proverbial dancer dancing their way through uh, nursing school. That's a really popular one. <laughs> but no, I, I, it never crossed my mind when I was in school to ever, I, it never crossed my mind to be a stripper ever um, until I walked in to be a bartender. It never, I was afraid that um, I would be judged. I was afraid if I, if I was found out, I wouldn't be able to work. Um, I was, I was just afraid of all the bad stigma that comes with that. So it never crossed my mind. And ultimately that brings up a really good point, And that's that, um, you know, often what we think people are going to think limits us mm-hmm. able to do things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as someone who is a whole, you know, I, I always say I have a cornucopia of marginalizations that I could allow myself to feel buried by if I wanted to, but I refuse to. So, you know, being able to move through the world, not worrying about what people think about you is like a superpower because there's stigma from being a stripper. There's stigma about being um, bisexual, which I am. There's stigma about being a survivor of sexual abuse, which I also am. There's stigma around mental health. I'm very open about talking about the fact that, you know, I manage depression, um, especially as a woman of color. I feel like all of these things that we're made to be silent about, that there's no reason for there to be shame or guilt or anything around it. So me having to deal with getting over these things in so many different arenas um, I really walk through the world feeling like I'm a superhero because I don't, I am not limited by what other people think about me because I know some of the things already aren't good. <laughs> so good, bad, or different, it doesn't stop what I get to do in life. It doesn't stop what I get to build in life. And I wish more people could get that. That's really powerful because most of the time, the thing that really holds us back is not somebody else. It's really just mm-hmm. the stuff going in between our two ears. Yep. Yep. Absolutely that. And, you know, but those thoughts are so powerful. You know, they literally make us feel like harm will come to us if we don't heed to what fear is telling us. And it's just not true. It's powerful, but it's not true. The other one you mentioned was your chapter on not being afraid to suck. Um, And uh, I would love to hear you tell more about you know, and I'd really like you to go back first. Talk about the first time you really felt like you just sucked on stage. Oh, gosh. It matter whether it's stripping or, you know, auditioning either way. Um, yeah. And then, you know, coming from that. Well, the first night that I ever worked in a club, I didn't even I, – I, I brought to work with me um, a black brawn panty that I had from Victoria's Secret. (laughs) And I think I bought some boots for $50 and a little wig because I didn't want to look like myself. And when I walked into that dressing room, these women had suitcases full of costumes, all carefully tucked away into like Ziploc bags to protect them from the smoke and the perfume and all these things. And, you know, here and glitter, all these things. And I was like, wow, I know nothing. So I don't know how to do any pole tricks to this day. So I'm working in clubs, watching women do these like amazing feats. And I couldn't do any of those things. And let's talk about why I'm really there. Because who cares how I look on stage? I'm there to sell dances so I can make money. I was horrible. 
I was uncomfortable talking about money. I wasn't raised to talk about money. I certainly wasn't raised to ask for money. And as a person who was very much still at that point into people pleasing, I don't want to piss anyone off by asking them for money, you know? <laughs> so I had to get through all of those things to get to a place where I can walk up to someone and expect that they would want me to spend company, you know, spend some time talking to them. I can walk into an audition and say, you know what, I'm going to do the job as best I can and then just forget about it. And I actually can, which is a miracle because watching the phone every 10 minutes to not remembering when you book something, when your agent calls is a long journey, <laughs> but worth it. So we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the different experiences you've had, but really what do you do when somebody really rejects you? You know, I mean, not just like, no, but you know, they are kind of mean about it. Cause I know you've had those experiences. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? The good thing and bad thing about working um, in that kind of environment is that people feel free to say and do and be all the things they would never be in the real world. So sometimes that makes for awesome conversations. And other times it just makes for people allowing themselves to be jerks. You know, it's like, come on, guy, you're, you know, I was mid-20s. These are men who were, could be my parents' friends. Like, I have nothing in common with these people. You're going to insult me. Um, but I think that some guys just would get off on that. And um, I realized that if I allowed that to put me in a bad mood, then that would mess up my whole night. Also, I, I could say whatever I wanted to those guys. Like one time um, I sat down to talk to a guy and he's like, oh, your, your hands are way too hard. Like, I want to, I want to know that you live a pampered life. And I could have let that like, oh, geez, I'm not, you know, I'm not feminine. I have manly hands and let that insult me. Instead, I just said to him, you know what? And everyone that sits down to talk to you this evening doesn't really want to, but you enjoy your night. <laughs> and I kept going and went off to the next person, you know, so I could be snarky back if I wanted to. My well, boss would fire up, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it brings up a really good point. Um, when you do really suck, because we all do, we all just mess up horribly. Um, yeah. How do you come through that gracefully and come out to the other side? The thing about it is, is I've tried to do a lot of things and I started off sucking at just about all of them. And the only way I figured out how to get better is to just keep doing it. So if you don't have an unwillingness to be bad at something, like I would love to be a tap dancer. I would love to be a tap dancer. I would love to be a drummer. Um, but there's no shortcut to that. You just have to practice, practice, practice. And that's what it's like with a lot of things. So the grace is in knowing that there have been times where you started off as a novice and then you became the sage. No one starts off as the expert. You know, if that was the case, we'd jump out of our mothers and be running marathons immediately instead of having to learn how to walk. But yeah, knowing the more you do it, it's like every other muscle, the more you do it, you, the more you get the confidence like, okay, I'm gonna be really awful initially, but I'm gonna get better as long as I keep doing it. So that is what the inspiration is like, just keep going, get past the stage, you know, like growing out your hair or something, you just gotta get past that ugly stage so you can get your peacock on. 
You talk in the book, it's even in the description, about mastering unwavering belief in my ability to manifest life by my own design, despite fear, imposter syndrome, and insecurities. Um, mm -hmm. Can you give some insight into how we do that? Sure. Um, I, actually, I actually teach a, a program on this. You know, back when I was dancing, there was no Instagram. You know, you weren't letting anyone know what you were up to. So I had to figure out ways to get over these things on my own. And um, I went into the club, like I said, with a master's. My master's in, is in educational theater. So I, I would literally make up games and active things for me to do to get over, oh gosh, I'm an introvert, to get over talking to strangers, um, to get over the fear of talking about money, you know, um, like the act of collecting no's versus trying to avoid them. You know, like, okay, let me go out on this floor. I'm going to talk to every single person that's out here and see how many no's I can get. Because inevitably, in between that is, is going to be a whole bunch of yeses that I wouldn't have gotten if I was standing on the sideline waiting for someone to approach me. Um, so um, I put together a course where I have these kinds of experiential exercises that I have in my brain that I can talk to someone and figure out what their thing is and what would help them get past it you know, in a, in a, um, in a, my, my sister, <laughs> my sister is in the realm of social work. So we get nerdy with this stuff. She's like, you know, it's just like a transferable, um, exercise, transferable experience. Like exactly. So, um, yeah, that kind of, that kind of thing. I, I made up games to get myself through this because going through things with angst never manifests what you want it's when you have that belief is when you have that peace is when you're able to calmly go through the storm because life always is going to give us storms that's something i realized i remember before dancing i thought oh if i just had money all problems would be solved no life still is going to bring you storms but what makes it um, what makes you able to get through it with grace is that unwavering belief, that knowing, you know, and whether that's in God or universe or spirit or Buddha or whatever your, um, or just love, whatever that power is that gets you through having unshakable belief in that when things are rough, it's easy to do it when it's going great, but when things are rough. So what is one thing that somebody listening right now could uh, take away, they could take action on right now that would help them uh, live a more life, uh, you know, more winning life? Hmm, I would say two things. One thing I would say is think about that thing that you would do, whether when you, whether, what would you do if you had a billion dollars in the bank? Create space for that in your life. It doesn't have to be something that you make money at. It doesn't have to be a whole business, but just creating the space to do something that you really, really enjoy in your life spills over into other aspects of your life in a most positive way. So that would be number one. Number two, I would say to embrace those things that we're told to be afraid of. Embrace the idea of rejection. Embrace the idea of failure. Any book of success that you read you'll hear about all the stories of failures before the success because that's where the great lessons are. And I feel like we do such a disservice to ourselves by not embracing those things that we're scared of because on the other side of the fear is where all the good stuff is. 
So whatever work you need to do to embrace them, make a game out of it. How many no's am I going to get while I am on this endeavor to get X, Y, Z? You know, who can I call that would be um, a risky ask for me? What can I call and offer to them in exchange for a way in which they could help me? What would that risky phone call or email be to someone? You know, things like that. The book is called Strip, A Stripper's 20 Life-Winning Lessons. It's written by Essence Revealed, international best-selling author, and it is available both in print and in digital on Amazon. I really encourage you to get it today. Essence, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. I hope people um, read the book, check out my classes, see everything that I'm up to, and write a review. Let me know what you think. I'd be so curious. I love how well Essence has taken the things that she's learned, um, auditioning, uh, being a stripper, all of those kind of things, and realized there are some really good, really powerful lessons that have come out of what I've done to this stage in my life. And not only have I grown, have I become a better, stronger person because of the things that I've been through, but additionally, I have some things that I need to share with the world in general now because the life lessons that I've learned while I've been on stage, while I've been auditioning, when I've been performing for people, there are some lessons in there that I know other people can apply to their life in general and they can show up more powerfully because of what they've done. Essence, I really appreciate you sharing what you've learned and your book. And I encourage people, do get Essence book from Amazon today. Um, You know, I really appreciate it when people share themselves and what they've learned in life. We do need to take another quick break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelp.com youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back thanks for listening today to thriving entrepreneur i hope that we were able to provide some things for you that really help you up level your life and your business I'm looking out my window here in my new office. Um, You know, the breeze is blowing on our beautiful palm trees that are here in our front yard. And even though they're the different kind of palm trees, you know, they're not the ones that have coconuts on them. 
I'm taken back to what I was talking about earlier about how powerful a palm tree, a coconut tree can grow out of the harshest of environments. And I also think about how, um, you know, iconic a palm tree is. You see, you're talking about a plant, and I know I've gone on and on about palm trees today, and maybe it is because I'm out here looking at them, but um, you're talking about a plant who is native to one of the harshest environments in the world, and yet it has become an iconic symbol for some of the best lifestyle. You know, many people want to live in LA. They want that LA experience. They want to, um, you know, be a star. They want those kind of things in their life. That's part of what their dreams, what their goals are for. And so when they see a palm tree, it gives us a certain feeling. And I think all of us have that feeling. Um, You know, other people, when they see palm trees, they think of the harshest of storms. Um, You know, any of you that have ever seen tornado, not tornadoes, but rather hurricanes, um, you know, and you've seen the palm trees bending, And I think that's another one of the reasons why we respect and admire palm trees so much is because they can take some of the harshest things, the hardest of winds, the hottest of climates, and they can thrive. They grow tall and strong, but yet bendable. And that's a real key is our ability to be able to take all that life can dish out and be able to bend and still grow up strong and straight and tall and be a symbol to the world for the best of what life can be. That's what everything that you've been through in life is there for. I know some of it was amazing, And some of it was difficult. I get it. I understand. But I also know that you've come through. You're on the other side. And you've learned some things. Maybe you've never actively actually taken the time to look at what you've learned. If you haven't, I encourage you. Spend some time today. Sit down with your journal If you haven't ever journaled before, I encourage you to start it. It's such an amazingly powerful tool. Um, You know, if you're not a writer, you can journal auto, you know, in audio. Turn on a, you know, basic recorder on your phone or on your computer and just talk. Just talk randomly. What's on your mind? That's okay. Maybe it's a bad day. Vent. Nothing more powerful than having all of those deep emotions, good and bad, and really putting them out there. Because once we've spoken them out, the power to them diminishes. It really does. You know, there is that element of the fact that if I don't ever say it, then it isn't real. But often, the opposite of that is really true. And that's when we do finally vocalize it, we realize just how unimportant it really is. We see 
that that thing that seems so huge welling up within us isn't such a big deal. We move forward in life. That's where the journaling is so powerful. And then what we can do is we go back through, we see those harshest of moments, we see those highest of highs, and we can say to ourselves, and what did I learn from that? What lesson do I live casually, but yet powerfully in life today that I learned from that amazing, incredible moment from that horribly deep pit that I went through. There's lessons in each of those. Those lessons are powerful. And as you begin to look back, those times as a teen, we all went through it. You know, where you did something, you scored the, scored the winning touchdown, or you were the uh, you know, lead in a play, or whatever that might have been. And you remember how great it felt when the audience was cheering for you. Maybe at work, maybe your boss said, hey, you did a really great job. Maybe he's one of those bosses that doesn't usually say that. And that was so huge for you. Maybe for the first time ever, your parents said to you how proud they were of you. Maybe, maybe you had a friend who said, you know, I know you don't see it in yourself, but you're so incredible. All of those highest of highs, all of those lowest of lows, each of them is there now. They are a lesson that you either have learned or that you can learn so that you will show up powerfully in the world, be amazingly the incredible person that you are. Learn from the lessons that life has brought to you. But then don't hide it. Share it with the world. You've heard the ad that I do throughout the course of all the shows. And now is your time to be a best-selling author. More importantly than that, now is your time to share the lessons you've learned with the world. Because what I can guarantee you is, is that there is somebody who is waiting on you. They're making the same mistake today that they made yesterday, last week, for the last decade. Because they don't have the information that comes from the lesson that you learned in life. And so they're stuck in this repeating pattern of that mistake. You've been there. You did it. You've made that same mistake in your life. You've had that high that was from such a great accomplishment. And you have looked at it and learned the deeper meaning behind that. It wasn't just a back in the day. Have you ever met those kind of people? Somebody who literally did peak in high school? That was their glory days and they've done nothing really to show for it in their life since. That's so sad. I want for you to be one of those kind of people who is moving 
from glory to glory. Not that bad isn't going to happen, but that it doesn't matter because beyond that bad thing is another good thing. And with each thing in life, there is a lesson that you will learn because you're a learner. You're a student. You show up powerfully in the world. And you have a message to share that only you can share. Now's your time to bring that message out into the world, to share it with the person who's sitting in front of their keyboard right now on Google, asking, what do I do about this thing? I don't have the answer for it, but I need it. I need it so desperately. They looked... They may have looked every day this last week and not found the answer. And they need that for their life, for them to be the best version of themselves. And you've got it. You've got it in spades. You already could teach the class on that. So let's do that. Let's share what we know with the world. And while you're sharing it, let's make it a book. As long as you're writing a book, let's make it a bestseller. I love it when somebody learns from life, grows, and then powerfully steps up and shares that message with the world. It's so exciting to see a person's journey displayed out forever so that decades from now, generations from now, great-great-great-grandmommy was a best-selling author. The reason why this is so important is because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. Kathy and I are here because we want you to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur, to share what you've learned with people who will learn from them and share their stuff too. And through all of that, all of us thrive. We get better and we grow. And we all come together and live as thriving entrepreneurs. I want that for you. And I'm excited to hear how it happened in your life. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.